Good morning. Will you please stand with us and sing our call to worship from Psalm 148. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He, have a, he gave a decree and it shall not pass away.
pray together. Almighty God, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us, you made the heavens and the earth and you said that they were good. You call us out of the darkness and into the light. And as we continue our worship now, make us aware of your presence by your spirit. May we be full of your goodness and life. Lord, meet those of us here this morning that, that feel steady and present May we seek you and know you, and even when we have settled into contentment or find ourselves walking through the mundane, would you be near to us? Along these paths, would you grow in us the godly characteristics of, of your spirit, especially those virtues, those characteristics that can be pushed away with vice? Father, meet those of us that feel the ache and the pull of temptation, the turn of the heart towards things that seem like life and goodness but have brought us emptiness and grief. Lord, meet us with your radiant and revealing words of life. Father, grant us strength and courage to move towards your light, to travel the difficult paths of repentance, to, to love our neighbors as you have loved us. Father, lead us by your word and your sacrament to the word who bears our flesh and change us, make us more and more the image of Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. <clears throat> yeah, children are now dismissed for children's worship. Well, we turn now to our time of confession and assurance, time where we acknowledge with God our sin and our need of him. And we'll do this together as a church and then have a time of song and a personal confession. Dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from God. Whoever loves is a child of God and knows God. Here is how God showed his love among us. 
he sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Lord God, since you have so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let us not just talk about love, but let us put it into action. Let us not close our hearts against our brothers and sisters, but let us love in deed and in truth. personal confession. Father, we confess our sin. We are grateful that you have brought us from death into life. You've traveled through the valley of the shadow of death to raise us up and to make us whole. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll stand together to hear the words of assurance. <coughs> Come to us from Isaiah chapter 9. Let's join together. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Well, as we've been welcomed into God's family, let's take a moment to welcome one another in the name of Christ.
The New Testament lesson is from Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. The Gospel lesson is from Luke, chapter 2, 22 through 40. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. 
and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword may and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Fred Noel. Thanks for reading from God's Word for us. I'm glad to be able to, to join you all for worship. I mentioned in the beginning that I'm sorry for the, the cool temperature in here. And after I said that, I noticed that Pastor Brian came up just in a short sleeve t-shirt, you know, shirt. So he's, you know, he's doing fine. Um, but we're going to look at Isaiah, uh, the end of chapter 61 and the beginning of 62. And this is a, a traditional passage around the celebration of Christmas. Uh, but before I uh, read that. Uh, I want to mention um, crossword puzzles. Some of you maybe uh, enjoy a crossword puzzle, maybe do them on a regular basis. But I, I noticed recently there was an interview uh, with the editor of the New York Times crossword puzzle. His name is Will Shorts. He's been the editor for 30 years, and there was an interview asking him some questions. And he was asked, you know, one thing like, what has he done in those 30 years that's kind of changed things? And he mentioned that he added more popular culture into the puzzles. He's decided to make the Monday and Tuesday easier and the end of the week um, harder. He also diversified the number of people who contribute to the puzzles that he said that 57 teenagers, for example, have contributed to crossword puzzles in the newspaper. He also mentioned some other things that were interesting. He mentioned that the fastest recorded time of completing a crossword puzzle is 45 seconds. So if you guys are, you know, you know, work on that. You can work on that over the, you know, the holiday, you know, New Year's break or something. The other thing he mentioned is that crossword puzzles began to be published daily um, in 1942 in relationship to World War II. 
I didn't know this, I thought this was interesting, that they began to be published daily as a, as a way to offer relief to people who were becoming overwhelmed with war news, with the, the news of the war. The paper, two weeks after the attack on Pearl Harbor, wrote that it is possible there will now be blackout hours, or if not that, a need for relaxation or distraction. Anyway, I think those are interesting things, but that last part, especially the history of why they were published daily, it made me think of this question of, of what do we need? What do, what do humans need? Of course, we need a lot of different things, right? But especially during times of distress, what do we need? And maybe we can think, you know, we need some healthy ways to distract ourselves. We need ways to, you know, occupy our minds. We need opportunities to laugh or to accomplish tasks. But if we get even deeper what we need, what you and I need, we need words of comfort and words of hope. Words that address the question, is, is there something beyond what I can see or beyond what I'm experiencing in the moment? What do we need? And I asked that, or I, I thought about that in relationships to this interview, because it's in the midst of a very difficult time, a time when the world was falling apart for God's people, that Isaiah writes these words that we're going to read, words of comfort and words of hope. Over about a 10-year period leading up to about 587 B.C., Babylon attacked and eventually captured Jerusalem and all the area around it. At first, Babylon took away all the kind of young, promising people and the, the leaders of the society. They took them to Babylon to be re-educated, to be brought into the Babylonian culture. But eventually, after all these years, anyone who survived was taken out of their home, out of the land, into exile into Babylon. Is there something beyond what I see or beyond what I'm experiencing. And it's in the midst of that moment in those circumstances that Isaiah, as God's prophet, speaks words of comfort and words of hope, words of a present reassurance and a future glory accomplished by God. So let's read. This is from Isaiah 61, verse 10, through Isaiah 62, verse 3. You can follow in your order or in your Bible. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spread up before all the nations. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, as her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. 
This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Well, as we hear these words and understand them and their reassurance and their comfort and their, their vision of, of future hope, I want us to talk about two things. The first part of the passage we're going to look at as a, a present assurance, a, a present comfort. And the second part of the passage we'll look at as a future hope, uh, as a future glory. So let's start with this present assurance. So Isaiah features a lot during the season of Advent, the season that just finished in the life of the church. And during Advent, this is a season in which we were invited to think about waiting and, and longing. And during that time, the church has traditionally identified with the exiled Israel, exiled Israel's agony of faith, this waiting and, the, and longing and for example, in the beginning of Advent, if you can remember back at the beginning of December, the beginning of the month, we opened with Isaiah 64, this cry, O Lord, tear open the heavens and come down. Come down and shake the mountains. Come down and make things different. If Advent is a season to especially reflect on our longing and our waiting, Christmas, the time that we're in now, Christmas is a celebration of God's faithfulness. God has come near in the birth of Jesus. And again, Isaiah gives us language to celebrate, saying to us, break forth together in song, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people, you redeemed of Jerusalem. You have burdened me with your sins, you have wearied me with your iniquities, but I, I am he, who will blot out your transgressions, who will remember your sins no more. And what we're invited to see in our passage today is that in Jesus, this celebration is come to us, this present comfort or assurance that even in the midst of waiting that God does give us present things to hold on to. And how does our passage describe it? Did you notice that it describes it with the image of clothing? The image of clothing. And maybe it's possible that some in the room, maybe we've received an item of clothing over the last few days, a celebration of Christmas, maybe some socks or underwear, maybe some shirt or sweater, pants, jacket. You can think of these clothes. Maybe you opened it and you were excited. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you opened it and you've set it to the side, not so excited. Some of the things that we received, if you received an item of clothing, some of them will be forgotten or maybe wore out in a matter of months. But some may become favorites, right? It may last for years. But our passage invites us to imagine a gift of clothing that will last forever. Invites us to imagine a gift of clothing that will never wear out. There's no stains, there will be no stains, there is no holes or tears, there will not be. See, the redeemed of the Lord begin this passage by saying, I will greatly rejoice. My whole being shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Our old clothing are described in Scripture 
many times. In, in Isaiah, he describes them as rags or old clothes. They, they might feel comfortable. That we might have had them a long time. They might be things that we're proud of, but they are worn out and stained with sin, torn by the treatment we received from others. And the question that kind of is a part of that is, can you and I, can we restore our old clothes? Can we clean them and make them the way we want them to be? And this vision tells us, no, no, the, the answer is not that you and I would figure out how to kind of restore or clean our, our old garments to take away the stain somehow ourselves, find the right patches. Rather, our present comfort, the, the gift that is now given to us, is a new robe wrapped around us. This new robe given to us is Christ and his righteousness, his forgiveness and his love that wrap around us. And this is what our passage is saying. It might be obscure to think about the pastor Isaiah from so many years ago, but what it's saying to us is that now, today, by faith, we receive Christ's gift, his righteous standing before God. What it's saying to you and I in this present comfort that is today, that if you confess Jesus is Lord with your mouth and believe that in your heart, that today God has wrapped you in clothing, that you no longer are marked by stains of what you have failed to do or what you've done, by tears that others have treated you, but you are wrapped in the grace and the righteousness of Christ. That is the promise today. And to help us grasp the significance of these new clothes, of this image, our passage then references a wedding. And the clothes are imagined as the special clothes that a bride and groom will wear. Right, we know on, a, on a, a wedding day, if we picture in our mind that the bride and groom often wear clothing that they would wear only for that occasion, that a special event. In the setting of our passage in the ancient day, the groom on his special day wore a turban or some kind of garland on his head, usually worn only by the priest, setting him apart as the one who was now entering into this special moment. And the bride wears special jewels, again, to designate that something unique, something very significant is happening. These special items that will never be worn otherwise. The imagery of being wrapped in this robe, a, a robe that, that fully covers us. The, the clothing and the jewelry of the bride and groom, these speak of the change that's being offered to you and me. The change that God does a new name, and a new identity. A new name and a new identity. In Christ, we have received a present assurance. The robe, the robe says that we are, we are a child of God, a son or daughter clothed by our good father in the family robe. In the ancient setting, that, that, the, the robe marked out the, the child who was part of the family. You bear the family name. In the wedding items, in Christ, you have now a new identity. You are not on your own, but you are united to God in Christ. This is the present comfort, the present assurance that our passage speaks 
no matter the circumstances that we find ourselves in today. And so what's the response? I already mentioned this, this response, though, is, as it opens, I will greatly rejoice. My soul, my very being will exalt in my God. And as we think about joy on this day, it's a chance for us to, to consider how does it come to us or how do we even hold on to that? Here, the joy and the comfort in the midst of difficulty is rooted in the reality that there is someone or something beyond me, beyond my circumstances, beyond my resources, and beyond the powers that are at work all around me. That there's joy that comes from outside as a gift to me. We see this in John the Baptist when he first announced the arrival of Christ. His confession, that the Christian, Christian confession of joy and hope, it starts with saying, I am not. That this might sound strange, but it starts by saying, I am not. John the Baptist started off by saying who or what he is not. I am not the light. I am not the light. But the true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. This might sound the opposite of what normally we think of joy, but joy begins when we recognize our limits and that there is something beyond us that is at work in our life. This is where we begin when we entrust ourselves to God. We can confess we cannot free ourselves. We cannot create our own hope. That we have not loved God with our whole heart. That we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We confess that our clothing, our stained rags, and no matter how much we want to present ourselves in a certain way, that there are tears and rips and things we cannot change. That we are not God, but God is the one who gives robes of righteousness and robes of salvation to us. And it's in this way then that joy doesn't come because we ignore certain realities, but joy comes into the midst of them and says there's something different and something more at work in your life. It's not an abstract truth, but rather God himself eternally involved in the person of Christ. So our passage invites us to this present assurance that today God has wrapped us in clothing that covers us and receives us and gives us a new name and new identity. That that is today in Christ for all who have faith in him. But the second thing I want us to see in our passage, the second part, is that God also speaks of a future hope. God gives comfort now, but there's also words about the future, about transformation or about change. New clothes are given now that were wrapped in this robe, but our passage also speaks of the future, especially towards the end. You'll see Isaiah says, I will not keep silent until my people's righteousness goes forth as brightness. I will not keep silent. One day the nations will see your glory, your vindication. You will, you will be a crown of beauty until it happens one day you will. This is future language. 
And this is part of living out kind of a, a healthy faith that's honest in this world is that we acknowledge both the present and the future aspects of being in Christ and Christ's work for us. We have a present new reality, a new identity, but we still acknowledge our suffering, our brokenness and sin as we wait for our full glory to be revealed. And in our waiting, as I mentioned earlier, the church has traditionally identified with Israel. We can think of a few examples in particular, Israel wandering in the wilderness, wandering and longing to arrive at the promised land their promised home. Or we can think of Israel, as I've already referenced during this time of Isaiah, living in exile, waiting and longing to be restored, suffering of what has been lost, and the longing to return back to their land. We have to acknowledge that this wandering and this waiting and exile lasted years lasted for years. And in that time, they entrusted themselves to God. And they sought to remember God's promise that he will bring them in, that he will restore them. And it's that same dynamic that we see <clears throat> in our passage. Looking to the future, Isaiah kind of cries out, for Zion's sake, for the sake of God's people, I will not keep silent, right? This, the language here is that there's lots of circumstances, lots of things that would might push down and kind of discourage you to keep holding on to it, to be quiet, but I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn, salvation like a burning torch. And all of us who hear this, all who heard it in Isaiah's day, and all who hear it now, we are invited to this question again of, of what do we entrust our future to, or to whom do we entrust our future? What do we trust that we will be vindicated, that you'll be called by a new name, that the mouth of God will give you himself? You will be like a crown of beauty in the hand of your God a royal diadem in the hand of your Lord. What do we need? What do we need? We know that we need rest and we need healthy distractions and we need opportunities to laugh and engage our mind. But I want to remind us that we need words that are true. We need to be reminded of hope that there is something beyond what I see and experience, words that do not rest upon me, but are given by God. Isaiah will not keep silent. He reminds us of God's promise of our destiny in Christ. Earlier in December, December 13th, is the Feast of St. Lucia, in uh, Scandinavia, young girls in white dresses carry candles to dispel the darkness. Maybe you've seen some of those images. Uh, the stories around saints are often, you know, there's all sorts of different stories and myths. But this saint, St. Lucia or St. Lucy, 
various stories, but the girl Lucy, the story is before she became a saint, is said to have descended into the catacombs to bring food to the Christians who are hiding there due to persecution. Lucy means light, and she wore a wreath on her head with candles, like a Victorian Christmas tree or a miner's lamp. This helped her find her way in the cave as she carried food and water to those who were hiding. The image, right, of, of Lucy as light bringer in the darkness, that the people hiding have not been forgotten. There is a light even in the deepest of darkness. And Isaiah remembers, and he wants us to remember as well. Light in the darkness, promise in the future, words that last. What do we need? We need words that are true, words that are certain, that can endure, that cannot be stopped. And this is partly what we hear in Isaiah earlier in chapter 40. He asks, what shall I cry to God's people? What shall I cry? And God says to him, what you should cry is that people are like grass, and their lives are fragile like wildflowers, and the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. The word of our God will endure. Let us remember it. And Isaiah will not keep silent. He reminds us of God's promise of our destiny in Christ. And what is that destiny? Do you see that you'll have a brand new name? straight from God's mouth, that he will name you himself as one who belongs to him. You'll be a stunning crown in the hands of, of God, a jeweled cup held high by your God. No more will you be called rejected. No more will you be called ruined, he says to God's people, but you will be called my delight because your God delights in you. You will be vindicated in Christ, and all, including you and all the nations, will see the glory of God upon you. This is what is promised. And it's the word that we're invited to remember today. This word, of course, is a person, ultimately the eternal word of God, Jesus, who took on flesh, and he will stand forever. And as I close, I want to remind us of the, the significance of this God taking on flesh, that he, Jesus, steps into the chasm, into this gap between our present suffering and our future glory. He steps into this gap between our sin and our brokenness and our being sanctified and made renewed. He steps into this gap between the suffering that is so real and the promise that we will be made new. For he was full of grace and truth. He fully revealed the Father. He served the low with love, yet he was crushed and rejected and experienced the pain and loss of this life. And so we put our faith in him because he holds together our current realities that God is with us now. And one day that we will be vindicated like Christ, the one who was raised from the dead, the one who was crushed but given new life and declared righteous by God for all the nations to see. We will be like him, united to God, fully restored, bearing his glory for all creation. This is the promise of Christmas. And I invite us this day to hold it and to remember it.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. you please stand with us? And we'll sing together. Almighty God, who called forth the light of creation and poured upon us the light of your incarnate word, kindle faith, hope, and love in our hearts, that we may shine forth Christ in our lives. The tender mercy of our God has come down from on high. 
Please be seated. Well, having heard God's word, we're now invited to come to the table that God sets for his people. Uh, in the story I mentioned of, of St. Lucia or St. Lucy, <clears throat> we can imagine maybe the, the, the significance of, of light coming into darkness, of light saying that thing, things had not been forgotten, that the people who were hiding had not been forgotten. This table is a similar reminder, right, that there is this light that shines in the darkness, that Christ invites us on a regular basis to hear his word, to gather with his people, to come into his table, that we'd be reminded that there's something beyond ourselves, beyond the powers, and beyond the circumstances. Here we are reminded of Christ, the one who took on flesh, and not just took on flesh, but his body was broken and blood shed to redeem us. Therefore, as we come and take of this bread in this cup, we too are invited to go forth as light bringers, as though can remind one another with our words and actions that there is a God, there is one beyond us, there's something more than our circumstances. Today, if you know of your faith in Christ, if you know of your sin, have confessed those and put your faith in Christ, if you've received the robes of righteousness as a gift from God, then come eat and drink of this table. And we can pray that the Spirit would meet us and strengthen us that we might share that light with one another and our neighbors. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this table. Thank you that you have set apart this bread and cup and invite us by your Spirit to come that we may be nourished by you. That we may again be invited to bring our waiting and longing to you, to remember that we belong to you, and that in Christ we will be vindicated and made whole. We give you thanks in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Those who are taking communion, I invite you to come down the center aisle and receive the bread and the cup. You can go back on the sides. And if you're able to hold them, I ask that you'd hold the elements until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not participating in communion today, we're, we're glad you're here. We invite you to come forward as well and just put your arm across your chest that Pastor Brian or I can offer a prayer blessing for you here at the table. Those who are serving can come forward now. Let us receive the gifts that God has for his people.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to God's table, I invite that if you're able to stand, to stand that we can pray and sing together. O Lord Emmanuel, you are the light of the world. You have promised that all who follow you shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Give us courage to share this light with others as we sing together. continue worshiping through a time of, of giving, a chance for us to give offering to God. And so I'm going to invite the greeters to come forward. They'll have a, um, a gray basket you can put your communion cup in, and then also uh, a silver offering plate if you'd like to give a gift. You can also give uh, through the church's website, or uh, you see by text as well if you're interested in giving an offering in that manner. Uh, but I'm going to say again, welcome. Glad that we can worship together, especially if you are, are just joining us um, for the first time or just recently. Uh, to be able to join together. Um, there is a black uh, information pad under the, the chair in the center aisle. So if you're sitting in the center aisle, I invite you to reach down under your chair and pick that up. Uh, you can fill it out and pass it down to know who you're worshiping with today. Um, and then if you are uh, new to LSBC, we invite you to fill it out or, or stop by the welcome table. I'd love to be able to follow up with you and share more about uh, the church. And just as a reminder that after the service uh, in the hallway behind me, uh, there's coffee and bagels, um, so please stay after as a chance to in, enjoy fellowship and a chance to get to know each other better.
you please stand and join us for the doxology? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures God's blessing. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, may the steadfast love of God surround you now and always. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace.